Hi, and welcome to Zed Games. Recorded live at 4ZZZ Studios in Brisbane and broadcast nationally over the community radio network, Zed Games brings you the latest gaming news, reviews, and interviews from across Australia and around the world. Hey, 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 you're listening to Zed Games, the only radio show with the highest score on the local Donkey Kong arcade machine. <laughs> you might be listening to us on 102.1 FM in Brisbane or around the nation on the community radio network, or even maybe on Zed Digital. My name is Adrian Navratil, and I'm in the studio today with Razor, who is cracking up right now. Yeah. You weren't expecting that intro, were you? No, you know what? I think it's you that's got the highest score, buddy. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I'm also joined by Lee. Hello. Hi, Adrian. That was nice. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> Always happy to deliver the nice, the nice puns. <laughs> Today on the show, we have a jam-packed bunch of gaming goodness for you. Uh, coming up soon, we're going to have Lee talking about Yakuza 2. Yes, Yakuza Kiwami 2, the remake of the original... 2006 game, I want to say. Anyway, it's very old. Did that one come to the West? Uh, that one... Oh, jeez. The first one did. The second one is a good question. Um, because the middle one didn't. It's a mess. Uh, anyway, yeah. the game is great. Um, and if you've missed it, because you probably did, here's your chance to I play I did it. miss it. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait to hear all about it. And a little bit later on the show, we're going to be talking about some of our favourite video game memories. We're going to, we're going to go back in time. You know, <laughs> like that, yeah. or maybe not. We're gonna we're gonna talk about our favorite consoles and our favorite games from those consoles. This is Zed Games, not Zed Games, and mm. we're now gonna read some news. Ray. Oh yes. First up, the president of the International Olympics Committee has said that violent video games were not in the spirit of the Olympics and would never be considered for inclusion as an Olympic sport. Earlier in the year, Olympic officials gave hope to eSport pros around the world when it was revealed that discussions were in place to include certain games in the Olympic program. Thomas Bach told the Associated Press during the Asia Games that games featuring killing and violence were contradictory to the values of the Olympics. But it's not real. Mm. No. Look, I... Were you hoping to become an Olympic <laughs> e-sport athlete? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, like, I guess that's like a kind of a branding issue, right? Like, yeah. Olympian and e-sports athlete don't really go hand in hand. Not but so much, no. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I guess you got to stick to your roots sometimes. And, I, you know, the Olympics is a pretty historically significant event. I mean, mm. I mean, I mean if we're going to go with the, the roots of the Olympics, it was just something for the, like, the soldiers to do in between, like murdering other Greeks though right not like, in the spirit no that's, no no that, violence that's why everything was just like running or wrestling or like throwing weapons around um but I I having said that I don't really disagree that esports probably don't belong in the Olympics maybe just not yet maybe um, not yet yeah I I agree also that they shouldn't be in the Olympics but not for the reasons that the Olympic committee guy said he said yeah. that it was primarily violence, but, you know, several Olympic sports have their roots in combat, boxing, mm. fencing, shooting. Yeah, that's violent. Uh, I mean, boxing especially. Kind of. Yeah, but I the, the reason that I would say that we shouldn't have them in there is because if you uh, endorse one particular video game program, like that's a... Um, that's like a financial endorsement for the company that made it. Yeah. There's yeah. financial interest. Like, yes. if Overwatch was in it, it would be like, okay, Blizzard is the official video game at the Olympics. 
it's not really fair. It's it's kind of bit you know not really right. That's the thing. Like, are we? I, I wonder if in the future are we going to see some sort of like agnostic video game for a particular you know genre yeah. that is clean of of any kind of financial interest like you know the, the thing with sport is you know you have all the sponsorships and all the makers of the sport sporting accessories like tennis rackets and shoes and whatnot that come mm. in after the fact yeah, but there's no company that makes tennis yeah 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 many have tried and not <laughs> not succeeded you know, mario you know mario tennis is all right but yeah like i mean i, I feel like you know you've, you've got some games out there that have that have made good examples of being stars in their genre mm. i mean rocket league i don't even know if that's a that's a genre you know cars hitting i mean that's you're talking bolts. about soccer yeah really the cars there. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no i, I get you what you mean um it would be really interesting if there was just the like the olympic first person shooter which was just like all like gray environments and just like these <laughs> amorphous polygonal like men and women running around shooting just orbs at each other that's super hot right <laughs> yeah, yeah no see there we go um the, the olympic stars and you just hear some guy go super hot yeah yeah um, but that, i think i think that's kind of a fun thing to envision is the the variant of those games just removed of anything that would actually associate them with a specific studio because there are you know like you know, Dota is a very good example of like five different companies all essentially making the same game and pretending that they're the only ones doing that. Mm. Uh, like that is actually to me the closest thing where they could scrub all of that stuff off and just have like this very, very clean brandless version of this with no characters, just all like functions um, See you later, skins. Yeah, yeah, all of that is gone. I mean, obviously, right? Like, <laughs> that has to go. But you know, but but that can remain for the professional like esports guys. But yeah. the Olympic version of the MOBA is just like pure, like just just grey box characters in a in a mm. you know flavorless environment. Yeah, but if you take that further, yeah, then you think like, how do these athletes esports athletes in inverted commas train for the video game do they uh and how do you become an olympic hopeful like you have to buy the game who's selling the game i think that's what's in the game like yeah i think that's what's interesting about this idea of the the lee and i were talking about like what if you had these developers like you know all the developers uh, like you know you've got valve with dota and then everyone else who's made a moba what if they all came together and were like all right let's make this like not not for profit moba Mm. like yeah <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay. weird because it's not really been done, right? Not that yeah. I know of. Gee, that'd be a glorious day when that could happen. <laughs> we could all just come together. And, yeah. yeah, it would give It'd me a, a small, like, and, glimmer of hope for and, humanity. And you know what? Like that is in the spirit of the Olympics. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think like it'd be good to see something like that. And also, if 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 I could tune in on my television and on a regular basis see some form of esports that would be a good sign that hey mm. you know maybe it's time i think right now you know if if you're someone who's in charge of um an esports team or you're a part of an esports team yourself or you're just involved in the industry in any way you'd love to see esports on the main stage at the olympics you know that would be amazing mm. just for branding for 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 esports as as a brand but yeah, maybe maybe not just yet. Maybe it needs to earn its chops a bit more. Yeah, because you can just imagine Sony sitting there going, "Nah, yeah. <laughs> nah." <laughs> <laughs> Henry Cavill has been cast as Geralt of Rivia in the upcoming Netflix television adaptation. 
Cavill is best known for playing the Man of Steel, Superman, in the DC Cinematic Universe. The series will be based upon the fantasy novel series by Polish author Andrzej Sapowski. Hey, oh. Got it. Nice. But is it Geralt or Geralt? Geralt. It's Geralt. Geralt. Yeah. I say Geralt. Well, you're wrong. What's yeah. wrong with me? Because it's spoken within the game. <laughs> they, they say yeah. it That's true. constantly. Yeah. yeah, I just don't listen. <laughs> I, I have thoughts about this. Yes. I mean, I mean, you don't know how to pronounce the character's names. So <laughs> I will take your opinion with a grain of salt. I can't wait to see Henry Cavill play Geralt. <laughs> what do you think about this, Ray? Uh, look, from what uh, my partners said about playing the game, uh, Geralt's defining feature is that he's incredibly attractive. He is. Henry Cavill fits the bill. He does. Yeah, he's a very handsome man. Yeah. What yeah. do you reckon, Lee? Uh, yeah, look, I love the Witcher games. Uh, I love the Witcher novels. I I kind of dig this. I think that Henry Cavill has been in terrible movies as Superman, but I don't think that he's a bad actor, and uh, I think that he's actually quite charismatic despite being handed garbage. Um, and so I think that I would really like to see what he does with this with this character and with this role. I and I agree. I think that Geralt is like he's he's meant to be like super super appealing despite like being incredibly covered in scars and like having freaky eyes and weird mm. hair and stuff. And uh, yeah, I just kind of want to see what does Henry Cavill look like. When he's got like white hair and a beard and in a, a bathtub, and, well, the bathtub <laughs> as well. I assume that's their opening scene, yes. right? A yeah. small wooden bathtub. Yeah. Look, I, I've heard a few people quite dismayed by this news. You know, saying ah, oh, Henry Cavill's acting is wooden. You know, he's not. He's 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 not been fantastic in the role of Superman. I say that's a good thing when it comes to to Geralt because yeah. Geralt is 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 by his very nature a super dry mm. dry dude, yep. and like you know. I've heard people and and myself when I first started playing the Witcher series thought you know th- this voice acting is is not too hot, but then you you realise the character is meant to be dry and sarcastic, and it also um, has gone through this uh, this this sort of ceremony of sorts that that created him as as a Witcher. Yeah, yeah. that essentially it, it pretty much strips him of of a lot of that emotion and uh, that you'd normally have as a person. Right, that's right. That is it. Yes. So I mean, if if, if you're an actor who's not known for a great sort of charismatic range, it might be a good idea that you play Geralt. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's the role that he was born to play. <laughs> that's what I say to the naysayers. And I mean, yeah, he's a good looking dude. Like. Can't wait to see Henry Cavill with grey hair and a little little bathtub. And cat eyes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sony's support for the PlayStation 2 will finally come to an end as the Japanese Service Center announced that they will no longer repair broken consoles after the 7th of September. Manufacturing officially ceased in 2012. The PS2 launched in March of 2000 and still holds the record for the greatest selling console of all time. Man, pull one out, but try not to get it on your PlayStation when you do so, I guess. Yeah. What a legacy. Mm. Yeah. I've no, still got my PS2 Slim. I mean, that was bought a little bit later on, obviously. Hope it doesn't break. Yeah, mm. I know. You're screwed, yeah. pal. <laughs> <laughs> we can hold this over you now. Oh, no. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, amazing console. I think I'll uh, I'll be talking about it later on mm. in our favorite consoles of all time segment coming up later in the show, Adrian. Yeah, absolutely. Spoiler alert. So, Lee, we're going to talk about some Yakuza, aren't we? We are, yes. I have been playing Yakuza Kiwami 2, which is a remake of the original Yakuza 2, which came out on the PS2. Uh, Long-time listeners will have heard me discuss this series at length because they are all really great, weird games, and they've been 
having a bit of a renaissance uh, since the release of uh, Yakuza Zero a couple of years ago. Mm. Which did tremendously well in the West uh, and introduced people to this series that has been like huge in Japan for years and uh, kind of this like curiosity in the rest of the world. But uh, since that success, they've started. They they remade the first game. Uh, they remade the second, uh, which just came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and uh, look, it's it's super super good. Is is how I would start this. Nice. Um, um, but it's it's an interesting one because uh, now that it looks like this is going to be some kind of annual release scenario, we're going to start entering into weird territory because this is the first one that I can say is still a very good game, but I can't recommend it as much as I could the earlier ones just because it is uh, you know it, it is a sequel it is a sequel that is built very much off the previous game. And the differentiation between the two titles isn't hugely significant. There are a lot of systems that have changed. Um, there's a, a big engine change between Yakuza Kiwami, which is the remake of the original game, and 2. Um, but if you had played... So here's how this has gotten complicated. In between the um, this prequel that they made, uh, they released the long-awaited sixth game in the series, which is kind of the capstone to the whole thing. And for that one, they they made a new engine. It was like the first like proper, um, you know, current generation of technology version of these games. Mm. Um, and uh, and it was really really good. But uh, with so with this with number two, they've kind of found this awkward middle ground where they're using a lot of assets from. Um, previous games in this new engine and and taking a lot of narrative from the original game and so it it feels the most like a a kind of mishmash of of all of the recent remakes and the new one and all of the other things so it's uh it it doesn't quite really have an identity of its own beyond uh the narrative obviously which is very different and it's called uh, the appendage is kiwami. Yes, which means like extra spicy. Or yeah, something. ultimate or extreme yeah, in yeah, Japanese. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yes. So for someone who's looking to jump into the series, yep. um, I, I think on the show. Oh, did you talk? I think you spoke about Yakuza Zero. I've spoken about all of yeah. that. a lot. Yes, <laughs> I, I couldn't have possibly been here for all of that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, I I really want to jump into the series. Yes. What do I need to know? And is this the one to do it in? Uh, you could jump in on this one. Um, this is kind of the so in the Yakuza series, you play as uh, an ex gangster named Kazuma Kiryu, who is this like super. Uh, outwardly tough dude who just is also incredibly polite and helps every single weirdo that he comes across uh so the yakuza games split their time between these um hardcore um super serious gangster stories of organized crime and honor and betrayal um and then uh, very very strange side stories and silly mini games and like weird little things like just going and drinking in the golden guy or like going and doing karaoke and and hanging out with a little girl and her dog and then like stumbling into an underground fighting ring and, weird yeah so <laughs> it's uh i mean the series is kind of uh the 
uh, Sega's response to um, Grand Theft Auto and also uh, kind of a follow-on from the ideas that they introduced in Shenmue. Um, but it's always been... Um, there's a very positive um, and and uplifting series, despite the fact that all of these narratives are born out of murder and betrayal. Mm. Uh, there's a sense that all of the characters, the protagonists, will ultimately forgive every single person <laughs> um and so you you get into these extended sequences where you'll like you know discover that your best friend has betrayed you on a very very deep level and you will you know both characters rip their shirts off and get into a huge fist fight where like you know you'll be picking up bits of the environment and bouncing people off the sides of cars Whoa. what happened what kind of betrayal it's there are, there are too many betrayals. okay and then at the end they'll both be like on the ground like crying at each other and declaring that they are like that they will be brothers forever you know i love that yeah so there's a real roller coaster every time that's beautiful uh, i'm just i just have this mental image of like yeah there's like two belly dudes just going like oh i'm so sorry man yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's that it, it happens like at least two or three times that's totally me day. if i ever get into a fight with anyone yeah, yeah. um so this one uh sort of recontextualizes this this protagonist because at the end of the first game he's out of the the yakuza he's out of the the tojo clan altogether and then he's brought back in you know in the, that classic like uh you know gangster narrative style he's brought back in to try and secure a peace between his former clan and their their enemy and uh, over the course of that he encounters one of the strongest villains that the series has has ever had um this uh, dude who is uh, his he's a sort of young son of another yakuza clan leader uh, named Ryuji Goda and his deal is that he hates you because you essentially have the same nickname <laughs> same yeah yeah that'd be me yeah, yeah. the world's not big enough for the two of us yeah yeah so so um <laughs> So Kiryu is known as the the Dragon of Dejima, which is the region that that he did all of his like cool burly fights in. Yeah. And uh, Ryuji Goto is the um, he's the the Dragon of Kansai, and he's like, no, there can only be one dragon. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. There are two dragons, mm. and because of that, he desperately wants to kill you and like destroy <laughs> everything that you've ever been involved in. You know what I? I can relate and I find that a very plausible <laughs> scenario because years and years ago when I used to play in bands I went by the moniker Razor right you Ooh, know, I okay. was like Razor because I used to shred on the guitar and um once after a gig I was introduced to another Razor oh, in God. another band and I instantly knew that I wouldn't be able to get along with this fellow yeah, yeah. Um, because we both were essentially competing uh, for that title. You're both on the razor's know? edge. Is yeah. that the or- Is that literally the origin? Did we just hear the origin of the nickname Razor yeah. on there yeah. on Z right. Games? Yeah, I actually killed him. Yeah, oh wow! Yeah. Oof. Yeah. It's fine. Statute of limitations means. He, uh, he, he, yeah, 2015. Did you at least cry on the floor and give him a hug? With, yeah, because I, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> with like a razor behind his back. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, yeah, so um, the uh, the first game is set in uh, getting back on t- mm-hmm. <laughs> track. After that, con- yeah, that yeah. grave, grave confession. Yeah, um, the first game is set in uh, the region of Tokyo called Shinjuku. Um, within its I love Shinjuku. Like, yeah, Shinjuku's great. I love, it's like the valley of Tokyo. Yeah. Any, anyone in Brisbane knows there's a nightclub precinct full of bars and, and drinks, and Shinjuku, I'd say, is the closest analogue mm. to that, wouldn't you say, let's, in Japan? Let's not... 
uh, you know, I, I don't think we need to prop up the value. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, uh, so the original game set there, that location is also here in this one, but it also is set in a uh, part of Osaka called Dotenbori, um, uh, which is like my favorite part of the world. And I, I fell in love with, with Osaka and Dotenbori before I got into this series. So it was really, really good to discover that so many of these games have elements of this, this place. So, wonderfully and accurately represented so if you uh you know i adrian i know that you are going to japan in like two days time indeed i'm so excited uh if you go to shinjuku uh you you will be able to see locations from these video games um that you are unfamiliar with so you won't you will you will have no experience there none of that will mean anything to you but if you did uh, you would find that thrilling. But I could just sure. do what I did with Persona 5, where when I came back from Japan the first time, I re-experienced all the places that I'd been to in real life and yep. kind of got that nice, like, antidote to the post-travel blues I had because I was like, man, I want to be back mm. in Japan. Yeah, well, S- this will absolutely help you. Done. Yes. You sold me. Uh, fantastic. Yep. So, you know, in summary, great game, good game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look... Um, this one here is interesting because it is like it's as an achievement in localization i think it is astounding um the games do a really good job of conveying the unique cultural differences particularly between the way that uh organized crime is portrayed in japan and in its media um and all of these other like little tiny like subcultural elements of just like um you know the Shinjuku and the red light district and and the the countercultural elements they're all there in really interesting ways um in ways that are also palatable and sensible to the west i i cannot think of a series that has gotten a better localization job than the the yakuza games so just on that front alone uh it's kind of astounding how good it is at at getting you to experience and enjoy this other culture um i mean if you've played the other ones if you're already on board with the series like it's a no-brainer to get into it um but i think if you're fresh to it it's not the best place to start um i'd still recommend checking out either uh yakuza zero which um is really accessible as a prequel or yakuza one which uh kawami one which is like at least a good starting point even though i don't think that one is as strong a game as zero or or two uh and two is using a much more interesting game engine uh particularly uh, with regard to the way that fights and things like that work um zero is probably still a better starting point but but two is continuing the tradition of very very good uh updates to very very old games that not terribly many people got to play originally and i'm still you know very much looking forward to and hoping that they continue this i don't know what the hell they're going to do when they get to like five because that did come out on the playstation 4 i guess they'll just like put it on a disc <laughs> because the west never got that <laughs> yeah fantastic well yakuza kiwami 2 is out now on playstation 4 let's talk about retro games shall we <laughs> yeah <all> right. <laughs> So, yeah, I thought it would be nice if we all kind of just sort of sat back and um, sat around the proverbial studio campfire uh, and, and spoke about our some of our favourite memories mm. of video games. Admit it, you just didn't have a review this week and we needed to fill this time with something. Stop it. <laughs> that was no- nothing of the such happened at all, Lee. <laughs> but no. I'm, I'm willing to go along with it. It's fine. <laughs> Ray, why don't we start with you? What's your, what's your favourite gaming console? And what's favorite your favourite 
God, gee, it's it's a difficult one because you have to consider a, a multitude of, of factors, right? It's like, okay, well, the first one that I've earned was the Nintendo Entertainment System, and I, you know, that's in, that introduced me to the world of video games and everything. But the Super Nintendo sort of was the first system that really opened my eyes to the capabilities of the system, and then. Um, the PlayStation 2 again f- some years later with its incredibly l- incredible library of games uh, that I spent a lot of time with and um, it's just an incredible system or you know to so pick one pick I was going to say pick one yeah <laughs> god well, damn it Ray I don't know it's it's hard it's really hard my, my soul is torn between the Super Nintendo and the PlayStation 2 but I'm going to go for the PlayStation 2 why is that? Is it because of the memories that you have attached to the console at the time? Or do you think it's because the console itself no. was, was so proficient and able to provide, you know... I, I guess a console is, isn't anything if not... You know, w- without its games, it's nothing, right? Yeah, and that's sort of what I am basing this decision on. The Super Nintendo... Yeah, okay, the games are freaking sweet, amazing, but the PlayStation 2 library is... It's incredibly vast. I don't think there is a system that has... A, a library as big as the PlayStation 2. Um, it's massive. You know what? Someone probably knows the, the answer, but I, in my mind, the PlayStation 2 has the most games of all time. <laughs> Who are we to claim that any kind of expertise on the subject of video games? Um, uh, Adrian, get on Wikipedia, will you? Anyway, um, look, Metal Gear Solid 3 is a, is a masterpiece. It is an absolute masterpiece of a game. That and, was an incredible game. Uh, it really opened my eyes as to what you know video games in particular could do um look i i had a lot of time with a lot of awesome fantastic games uh let me think of another one final fantasy 10 final fantasy 10 was another one yeah that was a good one final fantasy 10 was good except for that yeah. laugh yeah okay more are coming to me <laughs> grand theft auto san andreas oh yeah oh dude i must have spent like hundreds of hours in that game like alone not to mention the other excellent uh titles in the grand theft auto series grand theft auto 3 grand theft auto vice city in san andreas how did you fare in the sequence where you had to land that remote control helicopter oh i remember it being difficult also did you catch the did you catch the train Oh, the tra- I hated that mission on the <laughs> motorbike, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, oh, that's all the you had to do was follow the train, CJ. Yeah. <laughs> there, you know, it wasn't a masterpiece of game design, but it was close. There were just a couple of very infuriating sections. The game on the whole, however, just simply amazing. And you know, Grand Theft Auto Three was a milestone game in so many ways. Not just um, as far as like vulgarity, but we hadn't like seen like a kind of offensive game like that before um but the open world genre was sort of birthed within that game somehow well it was Mm. at least refined and popularized got some stats coming at you live right here delivered right hot to the desk the snes the super nintendo had 784 officially released games the sony playstation 2 drumroll had 2016 Officially released. 2016. 2000, it's a year. Yeah. <laughs> a, a relevant year. Okay, that's a lot of games. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I looked at that and I'm like, man, that, that looks like the date, a date. But no, it's 2000, 2016 mm. games. And that's it. The fact that it had so many games just means there's there's games for any, any everybody. There's yeah. everybody and everybody. There's a trash in there as well. Oh, like. there's, a, there's a heap of trash in there. <laughs> I mean, those Bratz games. Yeah. You know, oh. uh, the various 
what shovelware of, of the EA Sports games. I mean, <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Z Games' very own Jack Cringanon has texted in to say that the best gaming console is PS2 objectively, you nerds. Okay. So, you know, you got a little ally there. Yeah, good. Thanks yeah. for that one, Jack. Wow, well, he's, he's real brave when he's not in the studio with us, isn't he? He really is. <laughs> Jack's all the way in Melbourne at the moment. He's able to make, make some really uh, some mm. brave brave calls. He's just... He's going to get a thrashing when he comes back to Brisbane. <laughs> Just quickly before I hand over to one of you two, uh, I would like to shout out to my favourite two PlayStation games of all time. Mm. Uh, Bully. Oh, Bully is great. Oh, fantastic game about uh, schoolyard violence. It's not the game you'd expect from the title. The the t- titular Bully is actually uh, quite an upstanding young man who's just trying to get by, but the world is, is absolutely fantastic. I don't know what game you're talking about. Uh, uh, don't you released... mean Canis, Canis Canem Edit? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Unfortunately and... renamed for the Australian market because apparently we can't have a game called Bully. Yeah, yeah stuff was lame back then. Stuff's still kind of lame now, but anyway... Um, Another one is God Hand. It was released in 2006, mm, sort of uh, into the, the next generation. You know, people were getting excited about 360s and PlayStation 3s at that time, but uh, God Hand snuck in at the very tail end, and it was just a cracker of a fighting game from Capcom. It was an over-the-shoulder fighting game where you could had, like, a list of a bajillion moves, and you could just slide them into uh, whichever slot you wanted to, so you could fully customize your moveset, and you just went around beating the hell out of really flamboyantly dressed people. Without God Hand, we wouldn't have stuff like No More Heroes and Bayonetta as well. So mm. Yeah. Hugely yeah. influential. Mm. What about you, Lee? What are, you, what are your memories? Uh, look, I, I'm aware that we are running out of time because Ray decided to list every game released on the PlayStation. <laughs> All 2016 <laughs> games. Uh, but I'm going to say that my, my love is split between probably three things. The first console that I had was the Sega Master System. Uh, rather than the NES, which also, like, that dates the both of us, Ray, tragically. Um, we are a million years old. But uh, Master System had a really fun mix of games and things that are suddenly getting uh, re-releases and remakes now. Some Stuff like uh, Wonder Boy 3 was amazing, and I was so glad to see that get an HD release recently. Uh, I eventually upgraded to a Mega Drive, and that was you know where I got to play stuff like Toe Jam and Earl, which is also getting a oh what a game release. Um, and you know Streets of Rage, which the uh, the the team that yeah. did that that Wonder Boy remake are now working on, and I cannot cannot That's wait exciting. to see what they do with that. Um, but uh, you know as far as like contemporary stuff for me, it was the 360 was the game it was the console that reignited my my love of console gaming. Um, you know after the the Mega Drive, I got into PC stuff for a, a good long while, but um, it was uh, the the 360 and Red Dead Redemption that I needed needed to be able to play, and uh, I bought a console for that game, uh, and then I bought a lot of other games after that, and I had a lot of fun playing like co-op Gears with uh, my housemates and playing. You know, multiplayer versions of Red Dead and, uh, you know, dozens of other things as well. Uh, The 360 was uh, a really pivotal uh, console that essentially built the online gaming uh, experience that that we we have now Um, and and also launched the the indie game scene in many ways, Um, you know, with the, the release of stuff like Limbo, 
um, and, and uh, Super Meat Boy and things like that. Absolutely. So, um, hugely influential and uh, something that still kind of sits around in my TV cabinet because there's the stuff that I just want to keep playing. It was a really robust console. Robust is the is the word that comes to mind. Ooh. I, I, when I say robust, I mean red it, ring it, of death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not what? maybe not technically <laughs> at, at the start, but yeah, holistically did so much. I think for mm. what modern gaming is is today. Uh, for me, I'd have to say just real quickly my 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 console of choice, my my favorite fondest memory of a gaming console uh, overall would have to be the Nintendo sixty four. Mm. Uh, I played a bit of uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time music earlier in the show. And it's for good reason. That game was perhaps the one game that gave me my favourite and and best gaming memories. And I can't think of a single title where I can look back and go, you know, that was a place where I could escape, uh, even even as a kid, and just 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 learn so much about another world. But then you know, use that what I was learning through that world to kind of inform. My, 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 my understanding of the real world, whether it be interacting with characters who have thoughts and feelings and, and reading the language, um, you know, what, what they're saying through the English language and, you know, therefore getting better at the English language at a time when, you know, I was six years old and, and had only just started to understand the concepts of language. That title was formative for me in so many ways, not just because it was a fun, fun, entertaining title, but because it taught me so much, I think. Um, Outside of that, you know, the Nintendo 64 was a fantastic multiplayer console. Mario Party, my God, the memories, the 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 sore you, palms. Yeah, you still have a hole through straight through your hand. <laughs> there, it's like someone shot my hand with yeah. a bullet. It's just like, yeah, that Mario Party r- river rafting game, man. The the trauma that was endured. Uh, Kirby Crystal, Kirby and the Crystal Shards, I believe it was. I may be misremembering. Fantastic game. I love the fact that you could mix and match powers in that game and create your own smorgasbord of of Kirby abilities. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved that one. And also Banjo-Kazooie. Banjo-Kazooie. I mean, I'm I'm kind of forgetting like the classic like Mario 64 here, but Banjo-Kazooie, that game just had so much quirk to it, so much character. And it's, it's one of those titles next to Ocarina of Time that I'll always remember as just being a really, really fun, vibrant, open world experience. Um, that I could just get lost in. Is that also the reason why you have that bird in your backpack? That's exactly why. Okay. Don't <laughs> you're not meant to tell anyone that. <laughs> no, no, no such birds are being kept in a backpack. Certainly <laughs> not around here. <laughs> not at all. What about this game though, Adrian? <laughs> Mission Impossible? Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Golden Eye. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> Look, we. we that really was a joke. That was intentional. That was, uh, that was all intentional. That was embarrassing for everyone yeah. involved. <laughs> 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 this may well be the final episode of Zed Games because there's no real way to come back. From You've been this. listening to the final. No, no, there is no way to come back from that. I think it's a great place to end the show right there. You've been listening to Zed Games, the gaming show with the most achievement points out of all of them. My name's Adrian. I've been joined in the studio with Razor and Lee. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a good one.